0: or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I'm here with Anna Kelly. Anna has ownership in and asset management of over 1,200 multifamily units across the US. Uh, she's invested in over 2,000 doors. Anna runs a multifamily syndication uh, company, Greater Purpose Capital, and she's focused on creating meanif- meaningful impact on the communities in which she invests. So, Anna, thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much. It's my honor to be here with you today.
0: I am uh, I am really excited for this conversation. I would love it if you would just start with kind of telling us your story, give us your background. You know where you came from, how you got to such a, an impressive portfolio. I think we'll <laughs> we'll have stops along the way and talk about certain things but but I think it's nice to just let the listener know a little bit about your background
1: sure so where do I start Jason um you know I I'll start with this you know I was not one of those that was born with very much or very much information about wealth or real estate I actually grew up in section 8 housing in apartments in San Antonio Texas and my mom was a property manager for our apartment complex Um, And so, you know, I basically just wanted to figure out how do I create enough money that I can get out of living in Section 8 housing when I grow up. And so I wasn't thinking about real estate, knew nothing about it. I worked hard and and got an education um, and came out of college. And I was offered a job at Bank of America in their private banking department. And so I started learning about What do we tell wealthy people to do with their money so that they can grow wealth? Um, So it was interesting. I was talking about learning about wealth, um, teaching people about what to do with their money once they had it. Our clients had the top 10% of the wealth in the bank, but yet I had no money and I knew nothing about how to get it until I was 65 years old, right? So one day, one of my very wealthy clients laughed at us. This was at the end of the 90s. And I told him we could make, I think, 8 or 9% in a CD. And he laughed and said, honey, I make a lot more than that in my real estate investments. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. I'd never heard about real estate investments, knew nothing about it, knew nobody that owned real estate. And it was kind of an aha moment that one day, if I ever get wealthy, I want to own real estate. So fast forward several years, I had my first child in 2003 and I knew that I wanted to figure out a way to be home with him. And at that point, I worked at AIG in Houston, Texas, had a very nice six-figure paying career. Um, and I was very driven to to accelerate my career, but I wanted to be home with my child. And I didn't know how to do it because I, I, I was make, basically the sole breadwinner because my husband had just gotten out of chiropractic college and was interning with six-figure school loans. And so... At that time in 2003, all of the Flip This House start, uh, shows had just started. And we watched a couple and said, how hard can that be? It looks really easy. Let's flip a house. Yeah. So with a three-month-old baby in 2003, we flipped our first house. Um, we had no idea what we were doing. We made a lot of mistakes. We lost a bunch of money. We, it, it, In total, it took us a year to flip the house and we lost $10,000. So it could have been a lot worse, but it was bad. Right. And my husband said, we are never, ever doing that again. Uh, So I thought, well, okay, we've kind of tried. But at that time, we had a rental. We had a rental in the back of this property we were flipping, and the tenant was paying rent every month. So we're like, thank God we had that tenant paying rent while we were flipping it and it holding for a long time. And so at that point, Jason, fast forward to 2007, we decided you know, my husband needs to start his own practice. Entrepreneurship is the way to wealth and I need to get home with my kids. At that point I had two. And so we moved to Pennsylvania in 2007 in February, height of the economy. Everyone told us the economy's booming. It's never gonna stop. It's a great time to start a business. And we went into significant debt, about $300,000 to start up his business. And we bought a building. And that building, Jason, was the best decision that I ever made. So instead of leasing space, we found this mixed-use property on Main Street in this small little town, and it had a, a office space on the bottom, and it had three apartments and four garages. And again, I wasn't really thinking about real estate wealth, but I thought it's probably a good idea to buy this property that has other tenants paying rent just so that we can be safe in cases business doesn't do well. Um, And 95% of businesses end up closing in the first five years. So fast forward a year, we go to 2008, the Great Recession. At the time, I worked for AIG. I found out the week everything was crashing, I was pregnant with baby number three and lost about three quarters of my 401k. And it was a devastating week. We thought, you know, we tried to do everything right. We lived on one income. We followed Dave Ramsey. We paid off all his school loans. And we actually also house hacked a four unit. So after we bought that practice, at the beginning of 08, we house hacked a four unit. We took a huge step back in our lifestyle to, you know, be careful. And we had these tenants. And what happened at that point, early 2009, I had this aha moment that I worked for one of the largest companies in the world, and it was going under and not safe. My 401k that I had invested, I thought very wisely was just about wiped out. And the only thing that was still going well in the great recession was my tenants were still paying rent. And that aha moment made me say, I have to take control of my finances. I took the very little bit left I had in my 401k and I bought another four unit across the street and thought I'll make about a thousand dollars a month that I can cover the cost of diapers for this new baby number three. And basically our living expenses, we may have nothing else, but we'd be able to survive. And so that was really, oh, nine was when I said, okay, real estate's what I'm going to pursue really with everything I have, rather than just dabbling like I had over the years in order to create financial freedom. And, you know, this time, it's been about 13 years, but I was able to create significant wealth through real estate, retire from AIG after 20 years. And you know, now I've owned about 1,600 multifamily units as a general partner um, and several million dollars in, in personal real estate and about $200 million in, in real estate overall with partners. It's been an incredible journey.
0: Yeah, it's a. I love that story. I think there's so many things... You know, you know sort of like we touched on before we started recording it like what what gets me excited about other podcasts and doing this podcast is is kind of hearing stories like that because every every piece there that you shared is like all of that goes into it right you know even even growing up in section eight housing like I, I didn't grow up in section eight housing, but we probably should have like I don't know if the, I don't know if my mom just didn't know that that was available or or it was pride or what but like we should have and we and 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 you said something that like really resonated with me, and that you're like, I need to figure out how to, like it it in it impacts you in such a way that you're like, I need to figure out how to be that owner, to be the person that you know like the people are. You don't want to be the renter anymore, right? And so right. you want to you want to be on the other side because you see what that's like when someone else is kind of in control of your of your housing. And
1: Absolutely.
0: so I I think that like. Like I said, it really resonated with me. You know, similar feelings as a, as a, you know, I, as soon as I sort of got out of school, I was like, I want to own, I want to, I want to buy my own house. I don't want to rent that kind of thing. And I, I bought like the worst house I could find because I could afford it. And it was like, whatever, I'll take it on. And all the stuff that you did, you know, I don't, I don't know if you were looking at yourself as a real estate investor, you know, kind of in the beginning. you were, you said you were dabbling, you know, you kind of, but you, but as you said, like all those things worked out because that's what happens, right? In real estate, like if you just get in there, that's what happens. It works out.
1: Absolutely. You know, my very first property I bought actually was in 1998, the end of 1998. And um, it was after that investor said he makes more money in real estate than anything else. I thought, you know, I may not have a lot of money, but I have a really, really good paying job for somebody that was just out of college and I'm throwing money away at rent. And I have some friends that are buying houses or condos they are a little older than me, but I decided to buy a little one bedroom condo just so that I wasn't throwing money away on rent. So at my first real estate purchase on my own, I was single and I just thought this is a wise way to have some equity that's being built up, mortgages being paid down, And my expenses were actually much cheaper than renting. So my first lesson was really learn to live below your means while you work to expand your means. And that's what I was focused on. So I wasn't focused on using real estate as the way to wealth, but I I knew that if I didn't have to um, throw money away at rent and I owned something and it was starting to go up in value and it was mine, I was basically paying for my own property. I knew that that was a wise step. And so for me, real estate was just like, let's, let's use this as the next step to try to get ahead. Um, And, you know, then it was a flip and a little rental. Once I had tenants, again, I I wasn't thinking I'm going to create real estate wealth this way. But the other thing that I did when I did decide to have some apartments um, and to live in our little four unit after everything crashed, I couldn't get loans, right? Because not only did I work for AIG, which was in the news every day that it was going to be going under, we were like $2 trillion in um, illiquid, basically, and needed a, a government bailout. But my husband's business was struggling. It was a startup. And I thought, well, I've got these units, I'm buying this third property, I need to figure out how to maximize the income. And so I bought a book called Multifamily Millions by Dave Lindahl. Um, it was the only real estate book that I read for probably five years. And I read that book and it was this aha moment that, wow, not only can this real estate cover my my expenses and, and provide for us if I lose my job, but I can actually learn to make the units nicer, raise rents, cut expenses, force the appreciation, essentially making it worth a lot more. And then I can start trading up over time. And he had these you know, graphs of how over ten years you can take teeny tiny little properties, buy them one at a time, roll them into the next one, and create wealth. And I thought, okay, I'm I'm gonna try it. I mean, I have nothing else to lose at this point. So, while the banks all said, you know, Ana, we just can't lend to you. We're not real lending to any real estate investors. Your husband has hundreds of thousands in debt and not enough income, and your company's about to go under. And so I realized I'm gonna have to figure out this thing on my own. So. We put a lot of time, Jason, in just learning to have properties and fixing up our own rental units, knowing that eventually they would be worth more. And eventually the banks would say yes and start letting me borrow for my equity to buy more. So it was a very slow, patient, methodical learning process to just say, I'm going to take an action. It's not a perfect action. I don't really know what I'm doing, but it's better than not doing anything. And that has served me really well over the years.
0: Yeah, and, and it's a great point. It, that it, it, I think a lot of people just, I, I don't know if it they would have, don't have the patience, they don't, whatever it is, they don't believe it's going to work, but it's like the, what you just talked about, sort of that beginning and how you couldn't get a loan, and, and it, also it was, I mean, the timing <laughs> in terms of, <laughs> it was wasn't great timing, but like even despite the fact that it was, you know, some people might have looked at that as the worst possible time to to get into real estate. The fact was a lot of people that did get into real estate then have been hugely successful because they got in there when, it when it was a buying opportunity. And it, it's, I just think so many people look for the reason not to, right. The reason, Absolutely. you know, any reason not to. And it's like, I just love it. How you just figured it out. You're like, okay. I'm, and, and then what, what, what people need to see here is okay, so you know, that was in 2008, 2009, here we're 13 years later, and now you've, you've been involved in $200 million of real estate. Like it, it does, that's not a long time, right? 13 years is not a long time in the grand scheme of life. And if you had just, if none of this had happened and you had just worked at AIG for 13 years, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be in that position you wouldn't even be close to that position you just you would just have a job and so it's i just i love that like it sounds like a short little story but like the reality is, is you put a ton of work into it all that all that went in and then essentially created this empire just by believing in it in the beginning
1: yes and 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 it was it was hard you know i I can tell you, I remember standing in my living room in early 2009. I'm sorry, yeah, 2009, and and bawling, and you know, being pregnant and finding out my 401k was wiped out, and everything that I had been taught about money at Bank of America and at AIG was proving to me not to work if the timing wasn't perfect, right? So we're, we're told it's always going to bounce back, always stay in the stock market, it, it's going to come back, and just don't ever sell you know, when it's low. um, And there's truth into that you buy low and you sell high. And that's part of why it worked really well for me for real estate is because I started really buying when it was, you know, cheap, Um, although it was hard to find the loans. But I realized I had invested in a lot of companies that were never coming back. Um, They were financial companies. And I had seen friends get wiped out when Enron fell a few years earlier. And my grandmother lost Half of her wealth when MCI WorldCom fell a few years before that. And, you know, I saw all these heavy hitter financial stocks I was in start to fall. And I realized I have to take control of my own finances. And I was looking at real estate as an investment that would pay me cash flow. I wasn't looking at it at that point as I want to create wealth. I'm like, I just need to survive. And entrepreneurship isn't working. AIG, my job isn't as safe as I thought it was, and my 401k is gone. I've worked so hard to do things the right way. And guess what? The world doesn't always give us the reward for that. I mean, we were better off because of that, but it wasn't enough. And I had to basically said, Am I willing to shift everything I thought I knew about money? You know, in the few years that I had worked with really high net worth investors. And am I willing to to commit that I need to learn more because what I thought I knew wasn't everything I need to know. And so I realized in that humility of losing everything that I thought I was really smart to that point. You know, I mean, I I was able to look back and go, hey, I got a six-figure paying job. I'm working with the wealthiest of the wealthy. We have our own, you know, company. We're doing pretty well. And I realized that I knew so little about economics in general and expansions and recessions and these highs and lows in the market and how that could impact me, my life, my livelihood and my investments. And I said, I've got to to take a step back, start from the beginning and learn what I can about money and learn how to take control of my finances in things that I have more control over. And that's the thing that I loved about the real estate was my tenants were still paying rent. What I could do is I could make my properties always look nice, be nice to my tenants and collect cash flow. I wasn't putting my finances in the hands of companies that I knew nothing about that could go under any day. And so just that mindset of, I've got to take control. I've got to start over and learn everything that I can. And then I've got to have the grit to stick to it. And, you know, in Texas we have the saying um, with women, you know, you get out of the mud, stop wallowing in it, put out, put on your big girl panties, get on the horse and ride. And and that's what I kept saying to myself as I'm like, the world is ending. We're not going to survive. This is terrible. I had those moments, but I was like, I've got to get up. I cannot wallow in the mud. I got to fix this. And, and I'm just going to get on and I'm going to ride. And I don't know where it's going to take me, but I'm going to make one smart decision financially day after day after day until it pays off. And I can tell you, I had to talk to myself over and over because there were periods when it was extremely hard. Um, at that time I worked full-time still. We were told we were gonna lose our jobs, but I had a very um, a very unique position that was really hard to replace me, thankfully. And so I kept my job, but I was pouring into my husband's business, re- rehabbing our properties. At this point, I had four kids over this 13 year period. And it was hard. Um, I worked seventy to eighty hours a week, probably most of the last ten years before I retired. So it, it was not easy. It seemed to be. It seemed to take forever. But I saw a lot of people give up and drop out of real estate when they couldn't get loans. And I said, I'm. I'm not going to quit. And so that resilience and that grit is is more important. And the humility to learn something new and just take action, than exactly what it is that you buy in real estate, what kind of niche you go after. None of that really matters. Just take steps, educate yourself, and believe in yourself until you find success. You just don't give up, and and I really think that's the formula for success in real estate and anything else. 100.
0: I mean that the formula and success for basically anything you want to do in life. Really, you could you know sort of sum it up there, and yeah. it, it, it's just God, so much good stuff there. I mean it, it's. That, that willingness to take action and, and, you know, really just kind of make it happen is is just so, so important. You know, you, you touched on the the control aspect of all of this and, and, and you said like the, the stock market, we, we have no control over, it, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can think that you're picking a good company and you can think that you have some idea of, of how they're going to perform, but... The interesting thing to me about the stock market is you can pick the good companies, but if someone hears something in the media that they don't like and it causes this mass sell-off, it doesn't matter if it's a good company. It's happening right now. The Absolutely. stock market's plummeting. The companies are the same. Mm-hmm. Like the they're all of this stuff is based on speculation and, and like the, the, the you know, consumer sentiment, a lot of it is just that. And so your stack, stock portfolio can change dramatically just based on, as we've learned, a tweet from Elon Musk, like literally a tweet from Elon Musk can either make you a bunch of money or lose you a bunch of money. And that doesn't happen. That's not going to happen in real estate. It doesn't matter what Elon Musk says about to anyone with your portfolio, you're in control of it and you can create this for yourself and for the people around you your investors your family all of that you have the ability to impact others at, at you know sort of at your fingertips and it's like it, it's i think as you said like what we get taught is so wrong <laughs> for actually for actually really getting ahead and creating wealth and freedom it's it's just really almost the opposite of what you should do it's just I, I don't, I don't even, I guess I don't know the reason why it's taught that way. I really don't.
1: Yeah, It's, it's hard. It's because that's how it's always been done. Right. And, and you know, we have this phrase that we put at the bottom of every investment, you know, the past is not indicative of, of future performance and you can't expect this in the future just because it happened in the past, but everything that's really taught does teach you to kind of expect what happened in the past. And you know, there's some good things that financial advisors will tell you, you know, the whole dollar cost average, just keep investing, try to buy low and sell high, but it's really tough to time the markets. And when you have huge market disruptions that aren't specific to a particular company, it can bring the entire system down. And that's what I I had never been taught that, right? We looked at the Great Depression and said, well, that'll never happen again. We looked at the crash of the seventies and the savings and loan crisis in the earlies, and we early eighties. And we were taught that would never happen again. Legislation was put into place to keep it from happening. But what was really interesting is that um, at AIG, you know, I worked in a division where we did hedge fund private placement uh, uh, investments for the ultra ultra high net worth. And so I sat in meetings, listening to what their advisors wanted in our products and what we needed to do to give them. Um, And they all, you know, once their income needs were met, they were able to take a lot more risk with their money to invest in things that could have great performance, but, but they could lose it all, right? But until you get that wealth, we as normal American blue collar, white collar, middle income America, we're not investing and creating enough income that we can take the risks with our money for massive growth in the stock market. And if consumer sentiment tanks it, we're okay. We're we're relying on all of that stock markets growth and income to happen such that when we're 65, we can retire and then we can kind of live that lifestyle. And I realized that while I was poor, I was telling people what to do with their money when they had it, but no one had taught me how do you really grow wealth, not just slow and methodically and have to wait till we're 65, but how do you when you're a mom get to stay home with your kids. How do you truly produce additional income to create financial freedom when you're young, when, when your kids need you the most, when you need your time freedom, the most is when you're young, not when you're 65. And by then your kids don't want to be around. They've got their own kids and they're, you know, going to school and they're too busy. And so I see so many, I saw so many people in their retirement ages, sad and and alone, but they had a lot of money and I thought there's got to be a better way to do this. Right. And so truly reading the book multi-family millions after i had started you know realizing that some of this passive income from these rents is smart it's protecting us it's it's going to cover rents if we can't pay i realized wait a second we're producing enough income to to be really close to replacing you know a third or a quarter of a year income i can leave if i just buy a few more of these things quickly and so it's one of the reasons i'm such a huge proponent of education. And when you mention, you know, purpose and really being able to impact now, coming from Section 8 to now owning, you know, literally a couple thousand, um, 2,000 now I've had ownership in apartment units and being able to go back into my communities and say to the single moms that are struggling right now in this economy with high inflation, here are some financial tools and resources you can use to learn how to expand your income live below your means while you work to expand your means and give them the hope that if someone like me could do it, they can do it. Right. And so for me, that's what it's all about sharing my story and, and, you know, just being able to grow now with the abundance that I have, being able to go back and, and create that education that just is not there for most Americans.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, absolutely. It, it, it's that education is, isn't even there for the people that have access to good education. Right. Like let, let alone the people that that don't have access to good education. I mean, it's just not. It's just not being taught. And so, right. it it. I think it's a huge thing that that you're you know sort of giving back in that way. And and I feel like the 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 education component, like like trying to let other people know the power of this, especially young people because they have the power of time, is like it it it's. It just keeps becoming more and more important to me to like, probably so much so that people are sick of hearing it, but it's like, I'm like, listen to me, you, you, you know, you've got 20 years on me, like do these things. It's simple. You can start little, you don't have to, you know, think about this like massive growth. If you start early, you just buy one, one duplex, one quad, something like that and just get going.
1: And that's that's the the best advice that I give people as well. You know, we are the American dream is you get a good job and then you buy the big house with the white picket fence. And once you're stable, then you have your kids. And what happens is the dollar um, catches up with with your income and all the debt from the house and the cars and the kids and your education you never have anything extra to be able to start investing. So the problem is that we're we're we are impatient people as a society and we have the pressure to try to look like we have it all together and build this life first and then we get into the grind and we can't pay for it, right? We're we're trading our time for dollars. And so the the higher the nut is that we have to crack, the higher our living expenses, the more we have to trade our time to make more money just to cover the debt payments. And so You know, I tell young people, as soon as you can, save three and a half percent down and get an FHA loan on a four unit apartment building, a three unit, a four unit, whatever's in your area that's a multi-unit, live in one of those units and have your tenants pay the rest. Then you're living below your means, right? You've got people that are starting to pay you rent and you're starting to produce that extra income very young. We delayed gratification. And, and that's, you know, there's a power in delaying gratification. And while living below your means isn't going to make you wealthy, it's the foundation for starting. If you already don't have wealth, don't go out there and, and listen to the people that say, oh, you're living with a scarcity mindset. No, you you want an abundance mindset, but first you have to live below your means. So you have something left with which to invest. And so, you know, I just kept learning, I just have to take a step back. And, and I'm very thankful that I actually did come from humble beginnings and lived in apartments most of my childhood because it taught me that I can be content whether I have the big house that I did buy in 2000 or whether I have the little bitty apartment. And I knew that taking a step back for a short period of time would allow me the extra income I needed to start slowly and methodically saving down payments to buy more rental property and Jason we lived in our little four unit apartment building a two bedroom apartment with three kids um, for about two and a half years the year before that we lived with my in-laws for a year when we first moved to Pennsylvania and then instead of buying a house when we could because we had just lived through this you know terrible time in our economy I said we we don't need to buy a big house yet we need to continue to figure out how to buy more real estate. So we rented a small house for another three and a half years while we saved down payments to put down on buying more cash flowing properties. And once I retired, we had enough cash flowing properties producing, you know, really good six figure income and could pay for our house payment. But it, we, we took seven or eight years of renting and living below our means to really grow that wealth to the level that I could retire and then the last three years, I've been full time, actually three years exactly, I've been full time. Of course, I've been able to exponentially grow my work wealth once I went full time, but I never could have done it if I had followed the American dream path of going into a bunch of debt so that I could have all of the quote unquote stability before I had kids. It, we, we knew that didn't work because we lived through it by experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's the the point about, you know, sort of the scarcity mindset and the abundance mindset it's not scarcity mindset doesn't mean that or uh, excuse me an abundance mindset doesn't mean that you should just buy a bunch of luxury items that's that's not the point of that (laughs) but the abundance mindset says that there's plenty of money out there through which you can grow wealth
1: yes
0: don't grow wealth by taking on bad debt and you know consuming items stuff right so it's like that's that living below your means that, you know, sort of being content in a, in a smaller house. And it's, it's, I, I, it's so funny. Like I feel, like feel exactly, I've said this to my wife. I'm like, I could be poor. I was poor. I don't, it's not even really. Yes. Like we want to grow the wealth, but it's, it's almost like, I want to, so that we can make a bigger impact. I don't, yes. I don't need stuff. I don't need, you know, like, I don't need more stuff. It doesn't, we, we have plenty. It's fine. And we could, but, but the the things I feel I can teach my kids and the things I feel we can, you know, sort of give back and have impact by growing the wealth is like, that's really meaningful. So it's, it's, it's a very exciting thing to look, you know, to, I, I look to, to the future to, to be, you know, in a position that you're in at this point. I mean, it's really just very cool uh, and, and inspiring, like, Outlook on the future, so um, I really do. Let us let's, uh, let's actually just kind of talk a little bit about your portfolio. We haven't. We, I know you. I know you didn't get to two thousand units by buying, you know, duplexes and fourplexes. So, when did you? When did you kind of make the switch into, you know, sort of larger multifamily and in, in, in growing that uh, that process?
1: Sure. So I will say this bigger number of doors is not always better, despite what you'll see in Facebook and in conferences, some of which I've spoken at. Right. Um, We think that in order to do really well, really fast, you have to scale and you have to own lots and lots and lots of units at the same time. What I can tell you is that real growth, real wealth, growth and income that you can depend on if you're trying to replace your income depends on properties that you own 100% or you own a large percentage of with just Mm -hmm. a couple of partners. And so I started out buying four-unit apartment buildings. And there were a lot of them in my area. Where I grew up in Houston, there weren't a lot of those, right? But there were a lot of them in central Pennsylvania. So I started with where there was opportunity and where there were buildings that not everybody else was buying. And four-unit buildings was kind of that thing in my market. We also flipped some houses. So saying, you know, we would never flip again. I convinced my husband we, we should flip again. And we flipped some houses and we took the equity and then we went and used that as down payments for other properties. Um, and so I bought, and then we kept some of them. So we, we learned it's not smart to sell all these. We need to just keep them as rental income and take the equity through a, an equity loan to use as the down payment on the next one. So we bought singles, duplexes, quads, primarily quads And we would buy one, fix it up, raise the value, take an equity loan, a second mortgage on those, use that to continue to put down on the next one. And we might make 40 or $50,000 on each one of those in in increased equity that we could borrow. And that only afforded me buying another 200 to 250,000 dollars building. And so in my market during that time, that, that was four unit apartment buildings. And so I bought what I could afford to buy on my own, because I needed that income, I needed to be able to rely on it. If I had gone up and syndicated those deals, even though I learned about the syndication through multifamily millions and some other things I started reading You know, several years after I really got started, I knew that those were short-term deals that don't pay a lot of cash flow, right? So the syndication model, you're essentially bringing a bunch of investors in, you're buying big apartments, and you're going through that forced appreciation process where for A couple of years, you're decreasing your occupancy, you're increasing your vacancies, you're renovating these units. And so the cash flow is not very good during that time. But you're hoping that you've created so much value that you can sell it in two to three years and get huge chunks of cash from the wealth and the growth that you've created. And so that model I knew was not congruent with my financial goals. And this is what I say to people is so important is what are your financial goals? Is it income? Is it growth or is it preservation? And it's almost always one of those three over our lifetime. But when we're getting started, if we need income and we're trying to replace our income and work ourselves out of our jobs, we need properties that we can bank on creating that income for a decade or more, right? So I wanted small properties I could keep that would, I could rely on that cash flow coming in, I was creating the wealth and the, the forced appreciation, but I was borrowing against it to buy the next smaller property. So I knew syndication was a good way to get big chunks of cash, but it was transactional. And I'd have to do a lot of these deals to get a paycheck at the end You know, every two to three years. And you get an acquisition fee upfront and a lot of people live on the acquisition fees and then they hope that they do well and get the money out at the end. So I focused only on the small properties because I knew that syndication was for a growth model and I needed income. After I made the decision to to retire, to leave AIG, and this was about October of 2018, I knew that at that point, since I had created enough rental income from all my smaller properties um, to replace my income, pay for vacations, pay for our healthcare, and have a little bit of extra, I knew I'm going to give my notice, but I need to do a few things to set me up to feel better about letting go of this job, because believe it or not, by 2018, AIG had bounced back and I was doing well again. Um, And so essentially, I decided in about October of 2018, I'm going to do some joint ventures. I want to buy some bigger apartments than what I've been able to do on my own, but I want to do a joint venture because I want to hold them for about a decade and again, be able to rely on that income for 10 years instead of two or three. So I found a 73 unit off-market apartment building in my area and I didn't have the money to take it down, but I knew if I could negotiate it and get it off market, I could find the money. And so I I put together a deal at the end of 2018 with two partners uh, that we joint ventured on. And since then we've done five joint ventures together. So we own about 240 apartments together, me and two other partners. Um, that I just started doing really at the end of 18. And then once I left my job at AIG and I had two bigger joint ventures, about a little over a hundred units in joint ventures together, I said, okay, I've been in the financial world for 22 years. Um, I know how to talk to high net worth investors about money because I was essentially working on wealth development products for 22 years. I know how to operate small apartment buildings it's not any harder to operate bigger ones. In some ways it's easier because um, you've got more units in one location. Now is the time for me to scale up and start syndicating. And so I started syndicating about three years ago.
0: This is like anybody listening to this, when this, <laughs> when this comes out needs to take that section and like play it over and over again because so many good points and so like that's the, that's the recipe that's exactly the recipe. Like you don't have to, you you can have your job, you can do the smaller deals on the side. And, but your point about the ownership part, like many people in syndication, you know, as you said, like you can talk about more doors and growth and scaling and it, it's true. It's true. Like if you're, if your goal is to say that I have thousands of doors, you're not going to do it by buying, you know, four plexes and, and duplexes and stuff. You've got to get apartment buildings, but in terms of what what cash flow you're going to have or, or even even how much of the equity you're going to have, if you're if you're syndicating and there's like six partners or or more some people get you know a ton of partners on the general partner side that that sort of extra is spread very very thin. the cash flow really comes from the from the the limited partner side, or it goes to them first. So it's, there's just, you have to, and you have to know what you need. You mentioned, you know, there's those three components. You have to know what, what your goal is. If your goal is cash flow and you want to live on those real estate investments while you own them, syndication may not actually be the right thing for you. If you're just looking for growth in your net worth and equity, then maybe it is. But, but the point is like, that's that steps that step by wise progression of sort of working up through the way that you did is perfect like it's it's exactly what like almost everybody should do it makes a lot of sense
1: right but it's hard because again kind of back to that we live in this microwave society that thinks you know faster is better and bigger is better um, you know, w- we see what looks like super overnight success from a lot of syndicators, right? and And I can tell you a few things. And I am a syndicator, so i'm, I'm I know I'm kind of like knocking my profession <laughs> a little bit here. Um, but I, I took syndication very seriously and very methodically. And I can say that, um, yes, I've made a lot of really careful, cautious, thoughtful, um, wise decisions with my money since 2008 and nine when everything was crashing. But um, the market also gave me what I needed at the time because I was starting really low and a, a market that's, that's rapidly expanding and growing and bouncing back from the prior financial system collapse allowed us to have rapid growth in the values of our real estate, right? And we've kind of come to the end of that expansion period, a decade of expansion that allowed people to get in to syndications at a cheap point, not even have to do it all perfectly and be able to end up in a year and a half or two years with something worth a million or two or three more than they thought it would be. And we look like rock stars, right? And it looks like, man, we just got to keep doing these big deals because that's where all the millions are made. The reality is, again, all of it's kind of separated out. So you're getting a small piece of it. And it's not chump change. It's good money for extra for growth. Um, but what I did is every time I made money on a syndication, I turned around and put all of that money back into buying a small property for my own family's portfolio, because that's where the long term wealth is built, right? That's where that long term. Now I've got that chunk of money, I can now create buy something else that's going to create me cash flow for another 10 or 20 years. So I actually prefer the smaller properties and on a dollar per investment and a dollar for the hour of my time put in to create that worth. I make significantly better returns on my smaller properties, Jason, than we do on the big ones. So just think about that. And I would encourage all of you listeners, if you're thinking about getting involved in syndications or you're trying and it's really hard right now um, because deals are, are, are trading at a dollar price that you can't cash flow without taking on significant risk and bridge debt, variable short-term debt. We're at the end of this expansion cycle. And the thing that I didn't understand in 2008, the reason I was blindsided, despite knowing a lot I thought about money in the financial system, was because I didn't understand what had happened to run up to 2008 and this kind of asset bubble that we were in as a country. And I see very similar things right now as to what I was seeing in 2007 But now with the lens of what happens when you have a bottom, it's fueled by cheap, easy money um, and and low interest rates. And and there's this rapid expansion that creates this quick wealth. Now we're on the verge of the bottom of that, right? And we could be starting over at the bottom. And so this is a time not to get frustrated and say syndication doesn't work or it's too hard, um, or you don't have enough money or the deals aren't there, but say, listen, things are about to get a lot worse. That's not the time to get scared. It's the time to start educating. And when things are a bit cheaper, and I don't see a real estate crash, but I do see values kind of leveling out in some areas coming down a little bit. When real estate gets cheaper and everybody's afraid of it, that's when you say, okay, now I'm going to go all in and start buying yourself small properties and ride the next wave up over the next next 10 years. But don't think you're going to start big now and you're just gonna make a lot of money because anyone that's starting in syndication now that already doesn't have a lot of experience, um, you could be in for years before it pays off and trading a lot of your time for not a whole lot of money. If the market doesn't keep bringing values up significantly um, over the next couple of years, like it did before, you're probably much better off slowly and methodically buying small properties alone or with a couple of partners as a joint venture that you can depend on that income and still force the appreciation and then when the time is right start thinking about scaling up to bigger deals again
0: yeah yes perfect I, that's all like <laughs> incredibly good advice that that people should listen very closely to it it's uh i i don't have anywhere the level of experience that you have but it, it's it's kind of being in the space that you can see kind of what's happening and and i wasn't I wasn't really doing real estate in 2008. I guess I didn't think I was doing real estate. I had bought a house and fixed it up and done all that, refinanced it twice, It like made all because everything was was crazy growth at that time, right before 2008. And I sold it right before the crash. Like I got lucky, but yeah, those same things are happening, and it's it's happening on on both residential and commercial real estate, where it's just you know people, and, and not to take away what people have done but there's there is some luck to it in the sense that you if if the market goes up as much as it has gone up the last 10 years that's incredibly helpful to your to your growth so it's just it doesn't it doesn't mean that people aren't doing the right thing and you need to make the decision to get in there during those times yeah it's just also, the market helps and that's, you know, that's what we all hope for. You help for it when you invest in stocks, you hope for it when you invest in real estate that the market's gonna help you. But at the same time with real estate, you have some ability to control that as well. You can force yeah. appreciation and not completely rely on the market.
1: Absolutely, you know. and if you already have properties and you're having a hard time finding more cash flowing properties, because that's the, the biggest issue that my coaching students come with me is, I want cash flow, I'm investing for cash flow, there's no deals that cash flow. And it's because we're kind of in this peak period of of irrational exuberance to go into um, stocks and and real estate at the tippy top of probably the market. And you kind of get sucked into doing deals that don't actually meet your financial goals, that that aren't cash flowing just to say you've done a deal. Right. And so I, I tell people just slow and methodically move the needle. You don't you're not going to be able to just have a home run every single year during you know economic growth and activity, but just keep buying, you know slowly, dollar cost averaging like we do in the stock market, buying one rental at a time, slowly and methodically, but only buy if it actually meets your financial goals. And if it doesn't, take that time to do something else to increase the income. So for example, Jason, Some people have properties they haven't really forced that value add. They haven't put in the money into their properties to maximize the rents and maximize the values. So before you try to buy something else that really isn't cash flowing, spend some of your time reinvesting into your own properties, getting the rents up on your own properties, forcing the values there. Then you'll have some more equity available if you can cash out while rates are still historically low, Um, although that that time horizon shrinking quickly, right? (laughs) Take that yeah. <laughs> and then be ready for when we do have an economic downturn. That you'll have some better liquidity and some better experience to take advantage of of things when it when when the moving the needle will just go much more quickly because you've got you know less people buying those same properties at hopefully you know somewhat lower prices. But study not only real estate. But study the economy. That, that's my biggest suggestion. You know, I was blindsided because I really didn't understand a lot of the financial um, considerations in the market that could impact um, my ability to, to raise rents, could impact my, my job and my salary, my cost of living, um, my, my tenants. So start studying the economy and seeing where we're, where we are. Are we in an expansion period or are we in a contraction period? Are we heading toward recession or are we heading toward growth? And when you know those things, while you can't time the market perfectly, um, none of us can, you can kind of see the signs of where are we in a massive market cycle and the decisions that we make and what we should buy should help us shift into, okay, well, if, if we're in a market cycle that's not gonna produce cash flow, maybe I need to not retire quite as quickly. Maybe I need to keep my job a little bit longer and I need to slowly, methodically move the needle and buy some things. Um, And if we're at the bottom, that's when you get rapid. And if you're at the top, you go, I can't time it perfectly, but now's the time to start selling or cashing out my equity so that I can capture it before values potentially come down. So we're actually selling um, four of my five large multifamily syndications now because it's it's the time to sell not the time to buy um, and then when we take that liquidity i'm gonna sit on it slowly and patiently and when things collapse a little bit probably um, then we will start you know the whole process all over again
0: yeah, yeah. great great advice um, let me switch gears here so that I don't keep you all day although I love this conversation um the I like to ask every guest uh, four questions. And so we'll start with those. The first one is um, based on the name of the show being know your why. So Anna, what is, what is your, why, what, what drives you and kind of keeps you keeps you motivated?
1: Absolutely. So my company, greater purpose capital is our tagline is investing for meaningful impact. And I, it's not lost on me that I, I really believe God's brought me through everything I've been through in life from, my growing up in Section 8 housing, just struggling through a recession, um, through growing wealth, to really be able to go out and impact other people. And sometimes that's my investors who I'm teaching about financial education so they can make wiser investment choices to grow their own wealth and create their own time freedom by creating the passive income that allows that. But it's also going in and pouring into my residents. So one of the reasons also that I really love the smaller properties is because I have complete control of the ability to help my residents and to help them be better off when they leave living from me than they were when they came. So being able to teach them about their finances, if they're struggling with their finances, helping them find the resources and the tools to learn better to budget their money or to reach out to organizations that can help them. So really it's it's about making an impact with, with all the blessings that I have. Um, my, I have time freedom now, I'm, I'm financially free. Um, By the grace of God, if I never did another real estate deal, I could I could live the rest of my life without financial struggle. And, And I know that that I'm tremendously blessed to be able to say that. So now I get to wake up every day and say, what am I here for? What impact can I make on other people? And and, you know, if I'm rewarded monetarily for that and I continue to grow my wealth by helping other people to grow theirs. That's great, but really it's it's the impact that drives me much more than any particular real estate deal or any particular you know financial windfall that I might get
0: yeah yeah i it's it's such a I, <laughs> I look forward to being in that spot, but i I just the the point of where you can really you know make that decision every day like this is what I'm going to do and this is what I'm going to do to have an impact is just I, I love when I hear people went to the best ever conference, I guess that was February. And um, there was one, one of the speakers just did this like talk and it was just basically all about, you know, that their company is impact based now. And I was like, that, that's, that's the goal. That's, that's just amazing to get to that point and be, you know, every, every decision you make is, is not okay. How am I going to pay the, pay the mortgage this month? Or how am I going to, you know, it's okay. How many people can I help? How many, Uh, lives can I change that kind of thing so I think that's that's just amazing absolutely Um, second question for you is maybe can you tell us something about yourself that isn't common knowledge uh, whether that's a special skill or a hobby something that that maybe um, not everybody knows about you
1: sure I sing I love to sing Um, I in my young 20s I used to sing a lot of clubs and I won a a nationwide talent search uh, for a record contract in Nashville. Um, And long story short, I didn't go. It was one of the dumbest things I ever did (laughs) take in my whole life. Um, But I I love music. I love supporting musicians. I still sing a lot um, for my church and different weddings and things like that. Um, And now I have a daughter that's a songwriter and sings. And so we've been working on some music stuff.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. I love it. I won't. I won't ask you to sing and put you on the spot. But I do. I do. Uh, I do love music as well. So that's that's pretty amazing. Um, when people hear this and they'd like to reach out to you, what's the best way to reach you?
1: Great. If you're an accredited investor and you're interested in investments that make an impact while growing wealth, you can find me at my website at GreaterPurposeCapital.com. If you're interested in coaching or speaking or a mastermind, you can find me at www.reimom.com. And I'm on social media, most of the channels at as Anna Kelly, REI mom.
0: Okay. And we'll put all of that in the show notes too, so that we have it. Um, final question. And I feel like you've given us so much good advice already, but, but what would you What advice would you give to someone who's who's getting started trying to to make their way into the real estate uh, business? What what would you tell them to kind of motivate them a little bit?
1: Sure. I I would tell you, don't be a lone ranger. Don't go it alone and try to figure it out um, the hard way. I went it alone and try to figure it out the hard way. And I really didn't have uh, mentors in real estate that could help me to fast track some of these decisions. The other thing is just stick with it. Believe in yourself. Determine today that you are going to have grit because I can tell you, again, I don't have a crystal ball, but I think the next two to three years in real estate is going to be really, really challenging as, as the last year and a half, where before you could, could find deals, but you couldn't find money. Now you are you can't find deals and money's really expensive. But that is not an excuse to stay out of real estate. Get started. Take baby steps every single day. Get to know your market and watch for shifts in the market and network with other people that you can potentially partner with to help you continue to move the needle one rental at a time on properties that actually help you to, to meet your financial goals.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing advice. Um, Anna. thank you so much for coming on today. I really can't, uh, I can't wait for people to hear this one. I think they're going to love it. I um, appreciate all that you've, you've shared with us. And, Uh, For those of you listening, if you like this episode, and I'm sure you will, please go ahead and uh, like, subscribe, um, help us get this podcast more reach. Um, Again, thank you so much for coming on, Anna.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, then Know Your Why podcast is made for you.